mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, originally created by an act of Congress, this week marks National Farm Safety and Health Week. Included in that, National Farm Safety Day for Kids. It's an important and timely reminder with harvest season approaching. Also this morning, Senator Sherrod Brown weighs in on the auto workers' strike and the possibility of a government shutdown. It's homecoming week for Findlay High School with the Trojans hosting Springfield tonight. Coaches Corner host John Marshall previews week number six of football action around the area. And we have another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, September 22nd, 2023. Coming up on the weekend, you're going to go out bar hopping. You're going to go, do they say bar hopping anymore? Is that a thing? Uh, I think clubbing is the new term. You're going to go out clubbing this weekend or bar hopping for us uh, older folks. Anyway, you will probably, more than likely, if you make a late night food run (laughs) after a night out, you will probably head to Taco Bell. It is uh, the chain that beats out all the other fast food chains when it comes to the fourth meal of the day. Um, Taco Bell actually uh, beats out all the chains except one. You know, the number one uh, place where late night orders happen? Jack in the Box. Uh, we don't have any of those uh, around here. They have uh, Jack and I, I think they've got Jack in the Boxes in Cleveland, um, maybe in Columbus. I don't know. Anyway, uh, most of the Jack in the Box uh, locations are uh, outside of Ohio. But 19, a little over 19% of all orders at the fast food chain Jack in the Box happen during the late night hours. 19%, that's almost one in five of their orders, happens during the late night hours, Jack in the Box. Uh, Taco Bell actually in second place, 15.2% of all of the orders at Taco Bell happen between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. <laughs> 15%. Were it not for uh, those late night Taco Bell runs, you wonder how many of those locations would just close. <laughs> Uh, Burger King, Wendy's, McDonald's, uh, the next one's in line, apparently. But, um, yeah, Taco Bell, the most popular place that we have around here for, uh, you know, there's late night runs to the border. Overall, it says here, late night visits to fast food restaurants have increased compared to last year for all of the top five chains. So Jack in the Box, Taco Bell, Burger King, Wendy's, McDonald's, the uh, number of late night visits are up. So not a big surprise. Anyway, uh, this <laughs> so I saw that story on the uh, newswire and I thought it's perfect to uh, bring up on a uh, Friday morning. No lie. This is the very next item that caught my eye on the newswire. And uh, maybe it's because of that first story that we have this one. Obesity is on the rise in this country. According to the CDC, they cite data that shows 22 states had at least 35 percent of adults who are obese in 2022. 22 states have at least a 35% obesity rate among adults. Um, The year before, and this is for 2022, the last year for which a full year of data is available. In 2021, it was 19 states 
that had a 35% plus uh, ratio of uh, obese adults. So it's heading in the wrong direction. Obesity most prevalent in Louisiana, Oklahoma, and West Virginia, where more than 40% of adults are classified as obese. Uh, The highest numbers overall can be found in the Midwest and the South. So (laughs) maybe forego that late night run to Taco Bell uh, this weekend. Maybe. Um, (laughs) Can you make a late night run to like Panera? (laughs) Or someplace a little healthier than that? Go get a late night smoothie. That just doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't sit quite as well. Uh, and this is kind of an interesting uh, related note, uh, speaking of uh, snackings and cravings and, and all of that. For women, make note of this, if, uh, you, are a women, if you are a woman, a premenopausal uh, woman uh, that has you know, that monthly visitor, uh, you may experience snack cravings. Researchers... Uh, have figured out why that is the case. In the premenstrual phase, the brain is less responsive to insulin. This could lead to an increased appetite and unhealthy cravings, they say. This is a, a study that examined the brains of a number of women with an MRI, and Professor Martin Henney, the University of Tubing, Tubingen, where is that? That's not in this country, I don't think. Anyway, uh, this uh, Professor Henney says the implication that this could help uh, explain hunger and cravings in premenstrual women is really helpful. It shows that women who struggle with this are not making it up. It is not all in your head. It is an actual medical thing. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day to get your Friday morning started. If you want to improve your health, Hamatune. There are plenty of health claims about humming. Uh, reducing stress, helping you breathe more easily, relieving sinus congestion even, lowering your blood pressure, and lifting your mood. All of those things are true. It's a lot of potential benefits for something that comes pretty naturally for most of us. Humming, experts say, is likely connected to our earliest memories of comfort and care as caregivers soothe infants with lullabies and humming. When you think about it, it's all, it's all about our childhood. I'll go back to our childhood. Um, infants who are unable to comprehend speech take in the melodic information into their brains, making, therefore, humming one of our earliest forms of bonding through sound. So there you go. Now you know. Want to improve your health? Hum a tune. All right, then. A couple of other uh, interesting items. Here again, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting And buzzworthy stories of the day. Speaking of food, as long as we're on this subject here, the University of Minnesota has introduced a new kind of apple to the world. To get into autumn, this is apple season. And uh, this new apple, uh, the apple breeding program at uh, the University of Minnesota has been around for more than a century. And uh, this new variety, which, by the way, is their 29th variety of apple. They've introduced a lot of new apples over the years. Uh, 
They call it MN, for Minnesota, MN33. Now, if this is their 29th variety, <laughs> can they not count the University of Minnesota? I don't know. But anyway, it is the uh, catchy name of MN33, this apple. And um, it is going to be available to consumers under the brand name Kudos. Kudos. And they said in the next few years, you should see this uh, on store shelves. I guess once the kudos trees are able to produce these apples, uh, reach maturity, the uh, trees reach maturity. But uh, anyway, the uh, kudos apple, um, it, it says it has a crisp, juicy texture, sort of like a Honeycrisp apple. By the way, the Honeycrisp is the most famous variety of apple that was produced by the University of Minnesota uh, apple breeding program. And uh, the Honeycrisp was developed in 1960, which I didn't know that. But anyway, developed in the University of Minnesota. This new apple, uh, Kudos, has a crisp, juicy texture, sort of like a Honeycrisp, but with tropical overtones. So there you go. Something to look forward to uh, over the uh, next few years. Be looking for the Kudos apple, new variety, coming, thank you, to the University of Minnesota. I don't know how many apple varieties there actually are out there, but you can never have enough. You can never have too many apple varieties in my mind. And uh, lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Again, this kind of uh, relates to a health-related uh, topic. We've been mentioning on the program, as a matter of fact, um, <laughs> we've been talking about it ad nauseum. You're probably sick of hearing us talk about it. Uh, cold and flu season is right around the corner. New strain of uh, COVID is uh, coming out. The new new boosters, new vaccines, and so on. The Biden administration announced earlier this week that it is relaunching the program to allow American households to order free COVID-19 tests. And we love free stuff from the government, don't we? Um, I don't know. If you're going to give me something for free, I'd like it to be something <laughs> other than COVID-19 tests. But I guess if they're going to give you something for free, here it is. Free COVID-19 tests. Uh, they are earmarking $600 million to boost test COVID test production. Uh, beginning September the 25th, so that is what, Monday... Patients can go to covidtests.gov to request up to four free tests, which will be delivered by mail. So, woohoo! We get more free COVID tests. Stock up while you can. You know, the thing is, these are not that expensive. I mean, they're what, five, ten bucks? So, I don't know. Is that that big of a deal? I, I guess maybe it is. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting. And buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly sunny skies today with a high around 80, partly cloudy tonight, a low around 50. Finley's biggest party of the year returns on Saturday when Oktoberfest will be held in the downtown area. We have a great selection of German imports and a lot of great microbreweries from all over the state that will be joining us. Wonderful food, as always, live music, contests, just something for everybody. 
Sarah Sisser, executive director of the Hancock Historical Museum, says Oktoberfest is the biggest fundraiser of the year for the museum, which is a privately funded organization, and the money raised helps underwrite their educational programming. Get more on Oktoberfest in the story on our website. The United Way of Hancock County's Fall Days of Caring events were held this week. We stopped by Camp Barry, where Toby Brubaker and others from Marathon were helping clear brush, mulch trails, and split wood. We've been working with uh, Lance here. He, he mows all along this, this road, so we're, we're cleaning up some uh, limbs to get them back there, so it makes it a little bit easier for them to mow. In all, volunteers completed 20 projects for 14 agencies, totaling 600 service hours, a value to the community of nearly $20,000. Get more on Days of Caring in the story on our website. The president has ordered a federal coordinator to oversee the long-term recovery efforts in East Palestine, Ohio. The president is telling the Federal Emergency Management Agency to appoint a federal coordinator to oversee recovery efforts. That coordinator will make sure Norfolk Southern continues its commitment to the community. The EPA is going to continue to oversee removal and disposal of the toxic waste from that crash site and provide a report to the president within the next month. Onan's Tracy Townsend reporting. The Finley City Schools Homecoming Parade will be held today along South Main Street. It'll get underway at 5.30 and go from Lincoln Street to Stadium Drive, ending at Donnell Stadium, where the King and Queen will be crowned ahead of the football game against Springfield. The homecoming dance will be held Saturday night at the high school. You can see a picture of the homecoming court in the story on our website. Don't forget, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So now we get to our cover story this morning. It was originally created by an act of Congress back in the late 80s. This week marks Farm Safety and Health Week. Specifically, want to also highlight this. Yesterday was National Farm Safety Day for Kids. It is an important and, of course, very timely reminder with harvest season approaching. And joining us on the line this morning is Hancock County OSU Extension educator Ed Lentz. And Ed, I would imagine uh, for anyone who lives and works on a farm, uh, they are very, very aware of just how dangerous it can be. So I'm guessing that awareness isn't so much of an issue. It's more uh, complacency that becomes the issue. Well, I would say it's complacency and distractions. Yeah. Uh, particularly if you get in a harvest season, your mind is somewhere else. So your kids are also going back into school, got a lot of activities going on. And so it, it's maybe difficult to be focused and be thinking about those things we need to do, make sure accidents don't happen. So, I, and, and that's one of the, I would imagine one of the frustrating things is that just about every, nearly all of the uh, farm accidents that you hear about, and you do hear about these from time to time, can be very, very serious, but nearly all of them are preventable. Oh, oh yes, and, and they are. And, and the thing of it is, is that I, I look at it, I put it in several different age group categories. We, we got the toddlers a category that to, to really be thinking about because they really need to be watched and know where they are at all times. Mm-hmm. And then we got to what I call the teenager that uh, who may be driving and other things and not be being as alert as they should be. That may not be on the farm, but they got to get to the farm to school or other events. Sure. And, and we got big, we got big equipment out there. And, and the thing is we're all used to the backup mirrors and all that maybe in our vehicles and so forth. 
uh, you don't have all that in a lot of our farm machinery with the tractor and the combine, and, and there's a lot of just total blind areas around. So you really need to know where somebody is at all times and make sure it's all clear because it is so easy to, uh, to move that equipment and not realize something was there. Then you also have, it's not just the uh, machinery and the equipment with big moving parts that can uh, really uh, be deadly if you're not careful. Uh, there are uh, there's, uh, other things, grain bins can be dangerous and you know a lot of things that can be really, really dangerous in and around the farm. Well, and, and, and uh, the, the suffocation for grain, or we call it the grain entrapment, Mm-hmm. It's always a serious thing. And I remember growing up on the farm, being around the farm as a adolescent, some of the things that my parents had known we were doing, uh, that they would have been just, uh, you know, just terrified yeah. because the risk was there. And, and of course, when you're, you're an adolescent, you think you're invulnerable and you don't think about it. Hey, this is just kind of cool. Let's just, let's just jump into the corn or let's just jump into the crib or let's mm-hmm. jump off of the hayloft into the pile of hay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Different things that, uh, that uh, and so, so as an adult, you really have to be thinking of what are these things out there uh, that uh, that I have to be really extra cautious to make sure that the, my children are safe and are not doing and, and try to set up parameters because. Uh, hate to use that term, kids will be kids. Right. And oftentimes they don't realize just how dangerous uh, things can be. And the other thing that strikes me is that it's not just the farm kids, it's their friends who may not uh, be uh, living on a farm who uh, especially don't realize all of the dangers uh, that are present. If uh, you know they've got their friends over and so on, they may not have any idea of just how dangerous some of this stuff can be. Well, and, and around livestock, we don't. We all go to the fair. We see the you know the all, sure. look at all the interesting animals. You, know, you read about it in Yellowstone. People walking up to buffalo. Now, people don't realize oh, livestock is still are still animals and are unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And uh, you always got to keep that in mind. And that's when your friends come in and say, "Hey, let's go do cow tipping here." Uh, <laughs> that's like I've never seen any hogs. Let's go and walk in the hog lot and. And that's always concerned. Uh, even as adults today, uh, when I go into a pasture that, uh, yeah, they're all tranquil animals out there, I guarantee you the first thing I'm looking for is where's the bull? Mm-hmm. I want to know where that bull is at all times when I'm in that pasture. Again, and, and people don't think about that, that that risk. Yeah. And again, some of that is complacency. I mean, if you really think about it, yeah, these are wild animals, uh, you know, maybe less wild than the buffalo and Yellowstone, as you mentioned, but still, like you say, unpredictable, but we're around them all the time. And so we don't, you know, we tend to get a little complacent uh, when it is a, an everyday occurrence. I mean, even in a sheep pasture, we think it's just the sheep. They're not that big or bigger than they are. Now, they'll find out one day when they got their back turned and the ram meals are really good. Now, they'll be thinking twice about not yeah. knowing where the ram was also in that pasture. Yeah. You know, uh, the, but the biggest, no, go ahead. I was going to say my biggest concern is really this time of year is because it is such nice weather and we still want to get out is that people, particularly at the toddler age at two to seven years old uh, on a farm, uh, you got relatives or friends over, you really need to know where they are at all times. Uh, whether they would they just wandered into the animal life, the animal pen, went down to the pond, you didn't know about it. I uh, also were around playing around the machinery and didn't you move it? Uh, that's the ones I just 
kind of stress for adults. You really got to know where they are at all times. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I I wonder, when we talk about the fact that harvest season is right around the corner here and farmers will be putting in very long hours to get the uh, crops out of the fields, you'll drive around uh, even long after sunset and they're out there with those big uh, pieces of equipment and machinery uh, working, you know, at night that's got to be uh, particularly dangerous if you are not careful. Well, yes, and one of the good things we have right now, we're having a lot of dry days. So once the harvest starts, if that continues, they won't be rushed. But if we get rainy weather coming in, they only got a couple of days to mm. do a job in town or trying yeah. to get both done. You're, you're right. They're going to be tired. They're going to be fatigued. They're not going to be thinking it. And here's where we as a community got to work together. Uh, to be real, I said, we got to look out for the farmer because he's doing a lot. We got to look out for ourselves. Right. Uh, on the roads, it's definitely got to be everybody alert during the harvest season. Yeah, a, a good reminder as well that when we talk about uh, farm safety and health week, it is not just for the sake of the farmers, but for everybody, uh, again, because they're going to be out there on the roads and so on and so forth. So a lot of things that we got to keep in mind. Again, it's especially timely with harvest season, harvest season approaching. Uh, we've got a link on our webpage for more information uh, about uh, farm safety and health week and National Farm Safety Day for Kids. Hancock County OSU Extension Educator Ed Lentz with us this morning with some timely reminders. Ed, we appreciate it very much. Thanks for, uh, for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. So we are now eight days into the auto workers strike. And so far, only three plants have been directly impacted, one each, Ford, GM, and Stellantis. Of course, Toledo Assembly is the targeted plant for Stellantis. But UAW President Sean Fain has threatened that more workers could walk off the job if they don't make substantial progress in their negotiations with the big three by noon today, which seems unlikely to say the least now of course because this doesn't just impact ford and gm and stellantis i mean millions of jobs uh, indirectly rely on the automobile industry so this we have a reverberating effect throughout the entire economy and because of that this is obviously on the radar of lawmakers in Washington and the president. Yesterday morning, we got the chance to speak with Senator Sherrod Brown about the auto workers strike, along with the possibility of a government shutdown. Experts say that the auto workers strike is going to begin to impact the broader economy in a negative way very soon if it hasn't already. And yet, the two sides seem to be no closer to an agreement than they were weeks ago. What is your message to both the UAW and the big three? Well, I think what's affected the economy for years is the low pay, the huge sacrifices and give back these workers, these workers made a decade and a half ago. The auto industry was in trouble. Chrysler called Chrysler and GM. Uh, they weren't about to, to, to go out of business, but they were in serious financial trouble. The mm-hmm. workers did all kinds of 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 benefit and pay cuts 
and um, give backs and that affect that affects the economy of affects the economy in defiance it affects the economy wherever there are auto workers and auto companies because there's not the money coming in and the prosper prosperity that workers who have good union contracts uh, make so um, that's it- that's the fight here and that's that's why and I think they're getting closer I think that you know the unions come back down with their demands a little bit we've talked to GM uh, they've come up a little bit um, I think both sides want to go back to work is it really uh, realistic and no question that uh, the auto workers have made a number of concessions over the years but is it really realistic to be able to claw back all uh, you know a decade worth of concessions all at once I mean they're asking for really big pay increases shorter work weeks um, you know pen- return to pensions you know that kind of it's a pretty big lift. Well, negotiations are negotiations, but uh, nobody asked that when these CEOs, the CEO of Chrysler makes 800 times what an in, uh, a, a um, an entry-level worker at Chrysler, 365 times what the average wage at Chrysler. Nobody talked about their continuing uh, pay increases year after year. And these companies were in trouble. Government helped to fix these companies to help. Government pitched in, meaning taxpayers. Worker ga- workers gave up a lot. And now nobody's asking these. Um, and, you know, media questions are never about the executives continuing in a greedy way to increase their pay. 22 million, 24 million, 29 million is what the three CEOs make. And that means a whole lot of executives there are making millions. Nobody says, are they damaging the economy? Are they causing prices mm-hmm. at the, at the, um, of cars to go up? That, that question isn't put out there very much, and this is on them. Should the president intervene? I know the UAW has uh, asked the president not to step in, but again, there's more at stake than just the auto workers and the big three here. Of course, there's much at stake. And I, I talked to the White House. Um, I know I've talked to the Labor Secretary and the Commerce Secretary. Uh, they're, they're trying to be helpful behind the scenes. One of the things that we can do is we know that as the, as the auto industry, by their own will, is moving and their own plans are moving more towards electric cars. We know that China cheats when it comes time to sell their electric vehicles. They have millions of electric vehicles because they're making more than they can sell in China. They're trying to backdoor and dump those cars in the United States. And uh, I've talked to the White House and the trade representative yesterday and a number of people about going to the auto industry and promising that they're going to work with them to keep these uh, these electric vehicles um, that the Chinese are dumping at the expense of American workers to keep them out because they're illegal and because, believe it or not, they're a threat to national security. Yeah. Um, on another subject, your counterpart in the Senate, J.D. Vance, recently expressed optimism that the rail safety bill that the two of you put together would not be delayed by the budget impasse. Do you share that optimism? Can you still get that passed? Uh, We can still get it passed, and we're going to go to the floor with it soon. Uh, All 51 Democrats are voting for it. Uh, J.D. and another 10 or 12, I hope, 15 Republicans support it. The problem is that extremists in the House of Representatives, if they shut the government down, uh, nobody knows what happens. Essentially, things stop here. And we've seen this before, uh, where you know a handful of extremists in the House decide that shutting the government down. You know, you know, when we shut the government down, when that happens, China loves it because China points to around the world um, and says, "Look how incompetent the U.S. government is." And these making these unreasonable demands after they agreed 
to budget numbers back six months ago, threatening the Speaker of the House of their own party. Uh, and that's that's really troubling to me. We will leave it there for now. Again, Senator Sherrod Brown with us this morning. Senator, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Our conversation yesterday with uh, Senator Sherrod Brown, uh, obviously, again, looking to get that rail safety measure passed, but battle lines being drawn with respect to a potential government shutdown, which also looks all but unavoidable at this point. And, of course, uh, the senator taking the position that you would expect him to take with respect to the uh, auto industry uh, labor stoppage and uh, and so on again that could expand today and would reverberate throughout the economy i'm john marshall with this high school football preview finley starts the second half of the season hosting springfield in the homecoming game it's also the first game for the teams in divisional play in the northern lakes league Trojan coach Stefan Adams knows his team will be ready for a Blue Devil squad that is flying a bit under the radar with a 2-3 and three record. There's a lot to play for right here. Uh, you know, no matter what people may think record-wise in Springfield, new coach, okay? I was in that situation before too. Halfway through the season, I start getting things turned around and they have some pieces there that are very, very lethal. Um, so we got to be on our P's and Q's and make sure that we're stopping the run. But running back, Eli Beal, is leading, I want to say, Northwest Ohio in rushing. He's a special back. He's a sophomore, and he'll, he'll be talked about for a lot. So we got to make sure that we, we know where he is at all times, stop the run, and on, on offense, we got to be super clean and get the ball to our playmakers. You can hear that game on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM tonight with pregame at 630. Other NLL games see Anthony Lean at Whitmer, Northview visiting Perrysburg, Ross making the trip to Napoleon, Clay at Bowling Green, and non-conference Southview at Scott. There are three games in Blanchard Valley Conference play tonight. Riverdale hosts Macomb, Arlington travels to Arcadia, and Van Buren hosts Liberty Benton. First-year Black Knights coach Ethan Purser knows his team has its work cut out. They run the ball well. They got they got some big guys up front, so we just got to rally to football, make plays. Um, obviously, uh, the number 10, Elker, he's very, very good for them, and it's just making sure that we're able to kind of contain him and stop him a little bit from doing what he does. Um, but they do run the ball really well, and I think we just got to have that approach of like, hey, let's all we're all in, let's go after it, and let's try to get a win against Liberty Bend. Here, LB at VB tonight at 635 on 100.5 WKXA and WKXA.com. Outside the conference, Pandora Gilboa gets a visit from Grandview Heights, and Elmwood goes to Lima to meet LCC for a Saturday afternoon game. Independent Van Lu goes to Williams County to take on the North Central Eagles at Pioneer. In the Western Buckeye League, Ottawa Glandorf is still seeking win number one when they get a visit from Bath. The Wildcats haven't topped the Titans in 20 years. Hear that game on 106.3 The Fox starting at 6.30. Other WBL games pit Van Wert at St. Mary's, Elida in Salina, Shawnee hosts Wapak, and Defiance visits Kenton. In the Northwest Central Conference, Corey Rawson visits Waynesfield to take on the Waynesfield Goshen Tigers. Ridgemont goes to Upper Scioto Valley, North Baltimore welcomes Perry, Ridgedale is at Hardin Northern, and Crestline travels to Elgin. Northwest Conference games include Bluffton at Ada, Columbus Grove welcoming Allen East, Lipsick at Spencerville, and Delphus Jefferson going to Crestview. In the Northern 10, Carey gets a visit from Colonel Crawford, Buckeye Central goes to Seneca East, Mohawk heads to Upper Sandusky, and Bucyrus makes the short trip to Winford. 
and other games of note, Hopewell Loudon gets a visit from Margareta in the SBC, and 5-0 Patrick Henry heads to Wauseon to take on the 4-1 Indians. Again, it's Liberty Benton at Van Buren tonight on WKXA, Bath at Ottawa Glandorf on 106.3 The Fox, and the Finley homecoming game against Springfield on WFIN. With this high school football preview, for Good Mornings, I'm John Marshall, WFIN Sports. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. You never know what you're going to see at the airport. On Monday, a naked man was detained by officials after strutting through the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport, DFW. (laughs) Naked man. Uh, The unnamed individual did not have any luggage or any clothing, (laughs) for that matter, not even shoes, as he walked in front of TGI Fridays at Terminal C. (laughs) Said he was completely unfazed by... The gawking of onlookers didn't even seem to mind when one passerby whipped out their phone and started recording. Footage, in fact, shows the nude man smiling as he is being filmed. (laughs) Public safety officers quickly took the man in for a mental health evaluation. Now, for what it's worth, I should point out, that uh, he was not completely naked. He did have on a pair of sunglasses. No word on whether he caught his flight. I you now here's the thing uh, that I'm wondering: uh, is TGI Fridays uh, at Terminal C? Is that on the other side of security? Did he go through security that way? <laughs> did he get screened uh, and then disrobe, or was he was it pre-security? I don't know. So many un- un- unanswered questions here, but. Just never know what you're going to see at the airport. Uh, From the international file, the broken news this morning. (laughs) Venezuelan security forces have finally regained control of the Tokoran prison, which had been run by inmates for years, apparently. This prison had been run by the inmates. Was the old saying about inmates running the asylum? Uh, The prison actually was being run more like a hotel, had its own bank or a small city had its own bank swimming pool nightclub casino even a zoo with flamingos (laughs) all of the prison some inmates even had their wives and children living with them in the prison was it was that uh, relaxed uh the government (laughs) the report goes on to say the government is relocating prisoners but some inmates have escaped since they could come and go at will (laughs) from the prison. One notable gang leader, a gentleman by the name of Hector Flores, is still at large. So, (laughs) finally, they've regained control of the prison. Wow. All right, then. Uh, Let's see. Cops in one Texas town are trying to catch a criminal with a conscience. Someone broke into a Catholic school in Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi earlier this week, got away with a rosary and a laptop. Now, first of all, I'm thinking stealing a rosary, <laughs> that's got to be some, uh, that's got to be some bad juju right there. I mean, that's got to be some bad vibes. 
<laughs> steal a rosary. But they also took a laptop. But before leaving, the, burg- the burglar left a note saying, quote, sorry, times are hard. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I don't know if that will score you any points with the big guy upstairs, though. I mean, also from the international file, the broken news this morning. You know, there are always stories in the news, often stories in the news about uh, homeowners associations uh, running amok on power trips and so on. And in this country, a number of people will fight back in creative ways against uh, HOAs. It's not just this country, as it turns out. A local Dutch council is not amused by a set of solar panels on uh, one gentleman's home that spells out a slang word for the male anatomy. And it's right there on this person's rooftop. Um... The pattern of solar panels on the rooftop of the Dorn household spells out L-U-L, which in the Netherlands is a common slang term for the male body part, L-U-L. Um, <laughs> that's what the solar panels <laughs> uh, spell out. The owner of the house says the shape was not intentional, and ended up that way due to the home's skylights getting in the way of the installation. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, neighbors have asked the Housing Association to do something. Lately, helicopters have been seen flying low over the building to get a photo of the rooftop. All in all, this guy's neighbor says, I am not happy and I don't see the humor. Well, you're the only one who doesn't see the humor. I think the rest of us find that hilarious. Um, This is crazy. Uh, Poker player, the World Series of Poker, who lied about having terminal cancer to raise money, now refuses to give back his ill-gotten gains. Rob Mercer raised more than $12,000 claiming he was dying. Uh, he came clean about the ruse on Tuesday. He said he lied about having colon cancer. 37-year-old was eliminated from the poker tournament after just a few hours. He has essentially been banished from the poker community. So he was eliminated. He, he went broke playing poker, so I guess he figured he'd find another way to raise some money. Lied about having cancer. Raised $12,000. What a cad. Goodness. Couple of the, uh, couple other items uh, here from the uh, broken news. Did you hear about this? A woman in North Carolina is suing Google because her husband drove off a collapsed bridge while following directions using Google Maps. Uh, the lawsuit filed in Raleigh earlier this week accuses the tech giant of negligence, arguing that Philip Paxton was following the directions from Google Maps through an unfamiliar neighborhood last September when the app directed the father of two to cross a bridge that had collapsed a decade ago. And apparently, uh, Mr. Paxton passed away when his Jeep plunged into the creek. Now, I feel for the family. And 
I, you know, I don't mean to make light of the fact that this gentleman lost his life, but did he not see that the bridge was not there? I, I mean, how do you not notice that the bridge is not there? I'm not familiar with this particular stretch roadway, but I would think that you would notice if the bridge was not there. And don't they have signs uh, that say, hey, <laughs> the road ends, the bridge is gone. Um, but nonetheless, he followed Google Maps. Apparently, he was thinking Google Maps might allow him to drive across. This is not a Roadrunner cartoon. You Anyway, we'll see where that lawsuit goes. And finally, this morning, among today's broken news... This is kind of a quirky story. The Colonial School District in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, uh, is starting off a very extraordinary school year, welcoming an astounding 17 sets of twins starting kindergarten this academic year. 17 sets of twins. Ridge Park Elementary School will see uh, seven pairs of twins in the Twindergarten class. That's what they're calling it, the Twindergarten class. Seven pairs of twins at Ridge Park Elementary. White Marsh Elementary has six sets. Plymouth Elementary has four sets. Uh, Peggy Smith, a veteran kindergarten teacher uh, in the district, says that this year's Twindergarten class is unprecedented in her two decades of experience she says they typically see maybe a couple of sets of twins, if that. 17 sets of twins. What, what's going on there in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania? Uh, something in the water. Uh, somebody needs to look into this. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. Update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Oktoberfest is back September 23rd from 2 p.m. to 10.30. Celebrate local German heritage at the 9th Annual Oktoberfest presented by Premier Bank in downtown Finley. Enjoy traditional polka music, the Kinderplatz Kids Zone, delicious food, and more than 40 different beers. Plus, watch the Ohio State game live on a jumbo screen at 7.30. Admission is $5 for 21 and over, $3 under 21. The party's on Main Street September 23rd. Visit OktoberfestFinley.com for details. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. A couple of surveys actually here, a couple of uh, research items uh, from North Carolina State University. Researchers find that only one-third of American adults are completely financially independent between the ages of 18 and their early 40s, which means that two-thirds of Americans still rely on varying ranges of support from their family members, you know, parents or extended family members. Um, they call it transitional independence. Uh, which usually happens around their 20s, um, to extended independence, interdependence, uh, which is when parents and children take turns offering financial support to each other. This is really an interesting uh, trend. Two-thirds of, uh, of Americans through their early 40s have some level of financial interdependence. Six and a half percent of adults are boomerang children who move out in their late teens and then move back in to their childhood home with their parents or caregivers. 
Professor Anna Manzoni says we need to reevaluate how we think of independence and adulthood, given that only one third of participants in this study were able to take the complete independence pathway that is often presented as being the norm. And why do we do this? Well, you can point to this survey of 2000 adults by National Debt Relief. Only 27% of Americans rate their money-saving habits as excellent. 62% admit to making poor money decisions sometimes, like gambling, taking out excessive debt, that kind of thing. 65%, now this is kind of interesting, 65% of young adults worry about the baby boomer generation's impact on their financial future. And I'm not sure what that means i would have to look i didn't have a chance to really do a deep dive into the numbers here and find out exactly what that concern is but it is a significant concern 51 percent of americans have been in debt at some point and i would venture to say that that number is actually probably larger than 51 percent what that tells me is that there are a fair number of people who don't who have a different either don't understand what debt is or have a different definition of debt than what debt actually is i mean owing money to anyone is debt um but it says 51 percent of americans have been in debt at some point 42 percent say that they are currently experiencing financial trouble which is a significant percentage of the population that says right now today they are in some sort of financial difficulty natalia brown of national debt relief says by empowering ourselves with smart money habits we are not just securing our own financial well-being but fostering a culture of fiscal responsibility that will resonate for generations to come and i'm thinking maybe that's what they uh, are talking about when they say 65 percent of young adults worry that the baby boomer generation's impact on their financial future uh, will be negative maybe because uh, they didn't instill uh, the proper uh, financial habits in their children and then that those that lack of uh, smart money skills gets passed down from one generation to the next and so on and so forth and we know that this is a, a problem but uh, again going back to that uh, first research study out of uh, North Carolina State University just the idea that only one third of American adults are completely financial ind- financially independent even into their early 40s is uh, alarming to say the least as is customary it is time to check in with my wife Kyra another collection of recipes from Kyra's kitchen to wrap up the week. Good yep. morning. Good morning. <laughs> I'm here. We're coming into the uh, first weekend of fall. Uh, today, the uh, final day of summer. The autumnal equinox officially at 2.50 in the morning. Yeah. Tomorrow. Okay. So, this is 
Well, at least especially the uh, the dessert recipe. Oh that yeah, we, have we got here. some comfort yeah, foods very, going on here. It's very uh, autumnish. Yes. Autumn. Uh, yep. So Those. this is pumpkin season. Yes. So we got that uh, coming up here. Um, but really, like you said, all of these are uh, kind of comfort food uh, yep. recipes. Yep. And that we begin what's warm, that? fuzzy. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. For <laughs> those those cool for evenings. Those cool nights. Yeah. yeah. And you want something yep. stick to your ribs, kind of warm and yummy. Yep. Have, uh, first of all, here, a recipe for cheesy potato and smoked sausage casserole. Yes. So this is three cups of potatoes cut into chunks and boiled. I like using my red potatoes. Um, Four tablespoons of butter, four tablespoons of all-purpose flour, two cups of milk warmed, a quarter teaspoon of black pepper, half a teaspoon of salt, a half a pound of white cheddar cheese shredded, a half a cup of uh, Monterey Jack cheese shredded, one pound of smoked sausage sliced. I used the skinless, um, eight, and then one eighth teaspoon of paprika. So preheat your oven to 350 degrees, grease a nine by 13 inch baking dish, mix the potatoes and sausage, melt the butter in a saucepan over medium heat and whisk in the flour. Saute for about one minute or so, let it kind of get golden brown and then stir in your warm milk and then mix that with a whisk uh, and, and that the whisk will help it. So it's nice and smooth and then it'll thicken up. Thicken up. Yeah. Yep. Uh, whisk constantly until it's all nice and and thick. Uh, season with your salt and your pepper. Add a half pound of grated cheese in the saucepan. Stir in the cheese until it's all completely melted. Then pour the cheesy sauce over the sausage and potatoes and mix. Sprinkle the rest of the grated cheese on top, and then you can sprinkle on some paprika. Uh, bake for 35 to 40 minutes. Let it cool slightly for at least 10 minutes or so before serving and enjoy. Mm, man, I'll so tell you. So easy and yeah, yummy. And, that, is the, yes. that is the quintessential uh, meat and potatoes dish right yes. there. That is, <laughs> that is what it is. cheese added. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. The cheesy potato and smoked sausage casserole is yummy. Uh, you can make some quick three-ingredient dinner rolls to go along. Yes. So two cups of self-rising flour, one cup of milk, three tablespoons of man- mayonnaise heaping. Uh, so preheat your oven to 375 degrees, generally generously oil or spray 12 uh, cup muffin tins set that aside in a medium bowl stir together all ingredients just until moistened uh, don't over mix it then yeah s- I thought that was kind of interesting yeah. you say don't over mix yeah. so you don't want to use a mixer you're going to mix yes. that by hand mix it by so hand so you don't over mix what's right. the what's the drawback to over mixing um it they may not rise like ah, okay. M- um, muffin. Okay, you know. So, so if you do this recipe and it, and it doesn't rise, yeah. then that's probably where you yeah. went wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Don't overmix. All right. So spoon evenly into prepared muffins. Um, I lost my spot. <laughs> into the muffin tin. Yeah, into yeah. the muffin tin. Uh, and then bake for 12 to 15 minutes or until golden brown. Serve immediately. Uh, if you want, you can sprinkle batter with your everything bagel seasoning or poppy seeds or whatever you like mm-hmm. uh, before baking. 
and then brush with melted butter immediately after removing from from the uh, from the oven. Okay. Um, if you don't have self rising flour, but you do have all purpose flour, this will still work. You just need to add two two teaspoons of baking powder, one teaspoon of salt, and a half a teaspoon of baking soda. Okay. So, so not all few... people have they have all purpose flour, but they don't have the self rising flour. So, uh, so so it's three ingredients with self rising flour. It's like what six ingredients with without. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, correct. So yeah, uh, so yeah, I would imagine yeah. the self rising does make it a little bit easier just right. because you have uh, fewer things that you have to yes. mix in, but it's still. But it's still, you can can still, still if you don't have all purpose, you can still make this recipe. All right. Very good. And everything else is the same. Yes. Everything else is the same. All right. Then for dessert, we have the pumpkin chocolate chip bars. Yes. So this is two cups of flour, one tablespoon of pumpkin pie spice, one teaspoon of baking soda, half a teaspoon of salt, one cup of butter softened, one cup of sugar, one egg, two teaspoons of vanilla, uh, one cup of canned pumpkin puree, and one and a half um, uh, cups of chocolate chips. So preheat your oven to 325 degrees, generously uh, grease a 9 by 13 inch baking dish, add your flour, your pumpkin pie spice, your baking soda, and your salt in a small bowl. Stir until well combined, and then in a separate bowl, cream your butter, your sugar until light and fluffy. Add your egg and your vil- vanilla to the mixture. Mix that well. Then then add your pumpkin. Uh, add the dry ingredients to the wet. Then fold and mix that well. Then fold in your chocolate chips. Spread uh, the batter evenly into your pan. Bake for 30 minutes or until the edges begin to pull away from the pan. And center is set. You can either use a toothpick or your finger. And if it springs back up, mm. you're ready to go. Right. Cool completely before cutting and then enjoy. Mm, boy, that is uh, good stuff. Yeah. The pumpkin chocolate love, chip bars. For some odd reason, I really like pumpkin and chocolate chips. It's just <laughs> that's your awesome. that's your combination. That's my not the I pumpkin love it. spice. Yeah. It's the uh, it's pumpkin the chocolate, chocolate chips. chips. Okay, oh, so, so yummy. The pumpkin chocolate chip bars, along with the cheesy potato and smoked sausage casserole, and the recipe for the quick three ingredient or more, dinner rolls, <laughs> depending on how you do it. Yep. Uh, all of those are posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, are they not? Yep. Yes, okay. they are. So go to uh, the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN, for all of those recipes and everything else uh, that we have from Kyra's Kitchen. You can check it all out there. We also have the link up at our webpage at goodmornings.net. And of course, as we say, if there's something that uh, you are looking for, if there's a recipe that you want, uh, maybe you know for autumn coming oh, into yeah. that season, yes, it'll be the holiday season before you Fun know it. Time to cook; it's uh, not as hot in the kitchen, <laughs> and a lot of reasons to cook coming yes. up. A lot of uh, gatherings yes. and a lot of things happening. So, if there's a recipe you're looking for, or if you have a favorite recipe you would like to share, by all means, you can go to the Facebook page and do that. You can also email us at goodmornings at wfin.com. Goodmornings at wfin.com. That'll get it to us. And uh, we'll highlight that on Kyra's Kitchen in the future. Yes. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. 
And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage, that, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday on the program, the advancement of artificial intelligence has been one of the biggest news stories of the year. And it's technology that makes many people nervous. In fact, a new report from the job search website Indeed finds nearly one in five jobs are highly exposed to AI. Does there need to be some level of regulation to protect us humans from the machines we create? So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.